Well, good morning, everybody. Morning, good. Some of us are awake, other of us still not sure. That's okay. We're all here together. And uh, today we're going to be taking a look at a special text on the church in Thyatira in Revelation 2 in our series uh, that we've been taking a look at over the last several weeks, Church Evaluation. Uh, my name is Michael and I'm the pastor here. So if you're online, we're happy that you're here. And in person, I like to see your faces too. So that's wonderful. Uh, and so <clears throat> this morning, as I was thinking about the text and some of the things that I had seen this week, um, I was reminded of what the church in Thyatira's main issue was, and it was a lack of discipline, a, a lack of being able to address um, important issues and even dissension uh, in the church. Uh, and so the, the phrase that I was thinking about was just this, a lack of discipline. Now, you know a lack of discipline in any area uh, can be catastrophic, whether that's in uh, maybe your uh, personal area, maybe that's your work, uh, maybe it's um, uh, just a relationship that you have. A lack of discipline in really everything causes issues, doesn't it? Uh, and if we're not faithful, if we're not dialed into what we're doing and what we're about, especially our faith, um, then that can mean some disaster. And it did certainly for the church in Thyatira. Uh, and I was driving around today or this week, and I um, was on the way to a doctor's appointment in Buffalo, and I saw spray painted on the back of a car parked in somebody's driveway, "America is dead." And I thought, well, first of all, that's depressing. But uh, I thought when I saw that, I I was just sad. I thought, what state do we have to be in that someone thought? that it was the right thing, or that even it was the correct thing to write that a nation was dead. And I think it really boils down to discipline. It boils down to our uh, perception of how the world works, of how we function society and our faith. And when we start to lose some of those things, we start to lose respect, we lose cohesion because there's a lack of discipline. And I really think the church in Thyatira here, as Jesus um, talks to us this morning about this church, I think we're going to see some of those things. But I was encouraged in other areas. I, I thought back to kindergarten. We all have those times where we think about memorable moments. And for me, I had a lot of memorable moments of um, lack of discipline. Uh, and so <clears throat> my dad, he was a tennis coach for a very long time. He retired and uh, loved that. But he was also a PE coach. And I remember when I was in kindergarten, I got to go to school with him. So in, he was also driving bus for the school too. So I would get up probably about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, and I'd get, on, get in the car with him. I didn't care what time it was because I got to hang out with my dad. And so I get the Cheerios in the bag, right, eating on the way to school. We get on the bus, picking up all the kids, and I just love that. Well, one of the things that I did uh, was I stood up in between the seats on the bus when the bus was driving around because, you know, Kids are full of good ideas, right? And uh, so we, uh, I was standing on the bus, and my dad would over and over, and he'd go, Michael, don't stand in the middle of the aisle while the bus is moving. I was like, Dad, you say that to everybody. That's not a big deal. And uh, so I, I continued to do that, and one day it went badly, right? So kids, listen to your parents. I know sometimes they say things, and you're like, that's crazy. But one day you'll realize I need to have some discipline in that area that they were telling me. So I was standing up, and... Sure enough, my dad had to come to an abrupt stop, and I went from, well, I thought it was like the middle of the bus, it was probably more like 10 feet away, but the bus came to a stop, and I went flying, or what I felt like was flying towards the front of the bus, and you know they had, maybe they still have them, those wrought iron posts that they used to open the door frame? Well, my head stopped me on that post, and 
when I stopped, my, my daddy, he looks at me and goes, well, <laughs> now what do we do? And so I immediately started bleeding out of my head, and you know, we pull into the, the, the little bus stop area, and I go, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to go to the hospital. And so we went, and I, <laughs> I remember being obviously in pain, but I was like, Dad, I'm sorry. He's like, well, it's okay. You'll probably never do that again. And uh, I had to be reminded by some of those, even the little things that happen in our lives when we're kids, sometimes we need to go back to those and go, well, if I lacked discipline there, then maybe there's still things I'm learning right now. Maybe there's still things that God's trying to teach me, whether it be in my personal life, my marriage, my family, my work. Um, God's always teaching us, and he's always going, if we could just dial in this area a little bit more and think about how, how much more you could do for me just by being disciplined, by addressing areas that really matter and going, I need to really, really focus in on this. And so um, with that, we'll jump into the text. Hopefully you're there and you have your lovely bulletin. If you pull that out, uh, my daughter said that uh, somebody spilled grape juice on the bulletins this morning. So uh, you're welcome. A little excitement to the bulletin uh, today. Uh, So we're in Revelation 2, starting in verse 18. Before we jump into that, just so we have a little bit of context, and, and maybe you haven't been here in a while, uh, we know that John wrote this book. It was given to him as a direct revelation from Jesus. Uh, he was on the island of Patmos, which, again, it was not a place that you wanted to be. It was where they sent criminals um, to go and to live out the rest of their days, which would not be very long if you were on this island. Uh, there was a lot of fighting, trying to get what they could to survive as long as they could. And on this little island, uh, John was given the last book in our canon of Scripture, the book of Revelation. And the church in Thyatira is kind of a mystery to a lot of people. Um, We don't know the pastor that was there, and um, even people ask, well, how did the gospel even get to Thyatira? There's no missionary journeys that went through that, through there, but there was one person in particular, Lydia, who, if you remember, was a part of Paul's ministry, and she housed the church, and she uh, financially supported, and she handled some things for the church. And when Paul left, some said that she went back to her hometown of Thyatira and she started a church there. And so for the church in Thyatira, we know they they came a long way from where they were at. Started in a good place like a lot of churches do and good intentions, good motivations. And they fell in one area and it's this area of discipline. And so the first fill in the blank is just the starting place of discipline, the starting place of discipline. Um, We all find ourselves at, uh, one point or another, normally as a kid, we think back to those times where, yeah, we're like, man, we really made a monumental mistake there, but it was because we weren't disciplined. It was because we didn't listen to instruction, and then we learn, right? We usually learn fairly quickly. When blood's involved, we're probably not doing that again, right? And so, unfortunately for some kids like me, that was the kind of thing that had to happen before I went, oh, I should listen, right? I should be disciplined in this area. And so in verse 18, it says, And to the angel of the church... Thyatira, right, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So we've seen this picture before, and it's this Jesus who uh, has flaming eyes. If you looked at him, you'd be like, oh my goodness, this is terrifying. It's kind of like you think about the, the mythical movies, Lord of the Rings. Um, you got the eye of Sauron or Saruman. All the names are very, fairly similar. So you got one eye, it's flaming, it can see a lot of different places, but some things are shielded from its eyes. And for Jesus, we know he's got two flaming eyes and nothing's hidden from him. So the th- church in Thyatira, like many churches, like many people even today, go, 
I know there's some places that God can see, right? He's at church, so let's make sure when we come in there, you know, we're dressed appropriately and like, you know, we're, we're, we're acting well and because if we do something, you know, out of turn or that God doesn't like, he'll see it there. But we know the Jesus that we worship, the God that we worship, he sees everything, everywhere we go, right? And so the church in Thyatira needed to understand this. It mattered what they did wherever they went. And secondly, the, these feet, these burnished bronze feet, he's, uh, he's stable, right? So he not only can see everything, and Jesus wants the church to understand this, but that they also uh, need to know that Jesus isn't, he's not on the shifting sand of culture. We, a lot of times, put Jesus in this category of, he, I mean, he wants us to be happy, right? Anything that would like bring enjoyment and peace and comfort to our life, um, that's, that's who we want him to be. But for Jesus to be that person, he has to change as culture changes. And he doesn't do that, right? So he's got these burnished bronze feet. He's immovable. So we can go to him and go, uh, he doesn't change. He doesn't move. And so as everything else does, we go, here's where our anchor is. And the church in Thyatira needed one. And in verse 19, it says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. So it's always good, and this is in relationships too, whenever you're about to give some advice. Um, if you're, you're about to give some critique, which we have to do from time to time, uh, like that, Jesus, he's offering a word of encouragement. And he's saying, hey, guys, church in Thyatira, here's some areas where you're doing really, really great. And it was a good list. If you would have seen this list and it, maybe it was our church, you're going, man, that's, that's solid. Jesus thinks that about us. He says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. You're doing even more awesome things than you were before. But then Jesus is going to shift this. He says, here's what you're doing well, but I've got a few things you need to think about. And the second fill in the blank is the honesty in discipline, the honesty. Because if we're serious about discipline, if we're serious about following Jesus, then um, we'll see some of these things in our lives and we'll go, oh, I need to tweak that. Or, oh, I need to do better here. Maybe I need to rearrange um, my sleep schedule so that I can commit some more time to the Lord. So whatever it is for you, um, Jesus is saying, hey, some things are going really well, but here's some things I want you to think about. And when Jesus tells the church, he's being honest. Sometimes we might even say brutally honest, but at times we need that, right? And we need people in our lives who can do the same thing. And Jesus is doing this for the church, and he shares some things that are important for us to think about. Verse 20 says, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. And his teaching and <clears throat> seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Uh, so this was an issue for a lot of the churches during this time frame in the first century. Um, they, were, they were taking the gospel and then they were bringing other things into it. And then they had uh, leaders even within the church who were saying, yeah, I know the gospel's good, but let's add some other things to it. I mean, you guys don't want to be wholly committed to one person your whole life. Let's practice sexual immorality because... I mean, there was this one person a long time ago that said we could do it. And does that sound good to everybody? And so people will go along with these things. And over time, Jesus is going, you guys have got to take some stock of what's going on. The individual mentioned here, Jezebel, she's a character in the Old Testament. Um, as you know, she gave the prophet Elijah a hard time. Uh, he's come off of his amazing victory on Mount Carmel. He's, he's conquered the prophets there. God sent fire down, consumed them, and, and Elijah's like, yes, this is going super well. And then he gets really discouraged. 
You remember why? Because Jezebel comes along and says, you know what? The whole idol worship thing, it's been working really well for us. And uh, you know the whole, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, sacrificing our children to, you know, uh, false gods, like, that, that seemed like it's gone well, and we've gotten blessings. So, you know, you're coming, and you're, you're messing that all up, so, yeah, we're going to kill you. <laughs> so, uh, Elijah, you know, he ends up running away and being so sad, he's like, to the point of, like, God, just take my life. And <clears throat> this character's referenced here because Jesus is saying, like that individual, you've got people that are within the church, that are causing such an uproar, that are, that are in such opposition to the gospel. It's like this person being here. And when they would have read that, they would have gone, oh, wow, that's, that's a serious accusation, Jesus. And when Jesus said it's not an accusation, it's truth, right? So there's this honesty and discipline, things that we have to come to terms with. Uh, and this word here, tolerate in the Greek, it's, the, uh, it's ephemae, meaning just to let it go. Now, there's some things that we need to let go. Um, we, uh, we watched Frozen for the first time uh, yesterday with the girls. It was a mostly positive experience. I'll talk some more about that later in the message. Um, what's one of the main songs? Let It Go, right? So, uh, and you're just still trying to get that in my head again. Um, but, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's one of the main songs. And as we look at this, this word FMA just, just means to let it go. There's some things we, we do need to let go, right? And when Jesus says this, he says, uh, that you let this go, this behavior, this action, this corruption of the church. He says, ah, that's not what should be happening. You should be addressing this directly. There's some things you should let go, right, easily. But there's other things we should go, oh, that's not right. Okay, practicing sexual immorality in the church, eating food sacrificed to idols, um, uh, combining other religious systems with the gospel, that, that doesn't work. He's going, you're like Jezebel. You've got people in your church that are leading everybody astray. You need to address it. And then in verse 21, it says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. And, and it's a, it should be a, a frustrating or even a scary thing to us when we, when we hear that and we go, he said, I've given them time to repent. Because God's patient, right? He's, he's kind. Um, he's very graceful with us when you think about the expanse of time and everything that he's allowed to take place. He's very patient with mankind, isn't he? He's very graceful. And he has been over and over again. He says, I've been patient with this group, but they won't repent. They won't turn from this, right? So you can't let it go. You need to address it in the church because God uses us as tools. He uses the leadership as a tool to say, hey, if there's something going on that's not right, like the church in Thyatira, we need to talk about it. We need to address it. And then 22, because it just gets worse, right? So sin's not addressed, there's not repentance, and then it starts to go down the generations, and Jesus is like, this has gotten out of control, and it's going to get out of your hands, so you need to address it. In 22, it says, Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into a great tribulation, unless they repent of their work. So he's saying, hey, there's, there's still time. If they're still breathing, you can still go, let's make this right. Let's address this important issue. And then it goes on, 23, uh, the, this honesty that Jesus gives, it's going to reveal this long-lasting impact. Because what do we do? What do churches do? Um, they, <clears throat> they begin to change, adjust the culture, uh, and they don't use the word as the primary means of truth in their church, in their services, what they communicate. And they start to go, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. Well, here's what happens. In 23, <clears throat> he says, and I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind. At heart, 
and I will give to each according to your works. So <clears throat> there's this effect that will last. If sin isn't addressed, if repentance is not brought up, let's turn from this. Let's change what we're doing. Let's, here's where we're not honoring the Lord. Let's make a change. Jesus says here, hey, this is going to last for generations if you don't address it. It's important what we do, what we involve our kids in. Are we, are we following God and worshiping Him just at church? Are we doing that at home? Are we talking about the things of God? <clears throat> it's important. And we need to be reassured of that too because I think it's easy um, whenever we think about like generational impact and what's going on in the church and what was happening for Thyatira, we go, our kids, I mean, you know, we bring them to church like they'll figure it out. And we're bringing them there. They're listening to the message. Um, you know, we're worshiping, so they'll eventually get it. And then we don't understand like why kids turn 18 and it's like, wait a second, where'd they go? And I got to tell you, that was one of my biggest frustrations in student ministry. <clears throat> I would say, you got to keep talking about what's going on here at home. You got to you got to involve yourself in the process. And so, <clears throat> what happened last night reminded me of this and just encouraged me in it. In it, uh, we had watched Frozen, and it's like a great movie. There's so many fun sing-along, you know, songs, and you can't get them out of your head. And then uh, you're trying to go to sleep. Well, you know, for me, it was like I can't stop thinking about the songs, right? The sing-along songs. Um, <clears throat> there's some scary parts in there too, though. And so what I realized, um, I, had, um, I had been on a fire call, and so I came back to the house. I took the monitor from Christy, and, and uh, Alana looked disturbed, right? And so I, I asked her permission, by the way, to share this story. She said yes. Uh, and so um, she looked disturbed, and she started crying. So I, you know, I go in there, I, I, I pick her up. And this wasn't like just one of those like, oh, I'm sad, or like come and get me cries because I don't want to go to bed. No, this was something was going on. So I, I went, I picked her up, and I started talking to her. And after she calmed down, it was a few minutes, she, she looked at me and she said, Dad, I don't know if I can watch that movie again. <laughs> I said, well, okay, honey, what's going on? I mean, I, you know, that's okay with me if we don't, but, um, <laughs> you know, but, but why do you not want to watch it? That's strange to me. And, and she said, Dad, there were some good parts. There were some bad parts, too. There were some scary parts. I said, what are you talking about? Uh, I didn't even think about it. There was some like ice that was coming at you. It was like spiky and it was scary. And uh, I, I said, well, yeah, honey, I, I, could, I could see what you were saying. I, I understand that being scary. And she's like, but I don't know what to do. The, the pictures, the bad things keep popping into my mind. And uh, she said, would you just hold me all night? And I said, honey, I said, I would love to do that. But there's one person you need to go to before you, you, you call out to me, before you cry. We need to go to God. And she's like, what are you talking about? And so we just started talking about the attributes of God in the Psalms. And so I said, do you know who God is? Well, he's our protector. He's our strong tower. He's our fortress. And so when you get scared, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to pray. And here's what you need to pray. And so we started talking about these attributes. And she said, okay, Dad, <laughs> I think I can do that. And the text yesterday, in the quiet time, um, we, we talked about this at the end. Psalm 119.71 says, It's good for me that I was afflicted, that I might know your statutes. And in the same way, as adults, we go through, some would say more difficult things than nightmares about an you know, animated movie. Uh, but when we come to those points, sometimes we freak out, right? We despair. We go, God, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know how we're, we're going to address what's going on. And we panic, and we need some help, right? And we need the honesty of the situation to be addressed. 
And in that, when I was able to share that with Alana, she, she said, do you get scared? I said, I, I get scared too. And today's quiet time reminded me of that because three years ago, when we found out I first had cancer, I kept going back to this verse as I was scared, as I was worried. And I was going, God, do you really have everything under control? And, and for some reason, I was like, why do I keep going back to the psalm? Psalm 119, 71, it was good for me that I was afflicted. And I reminded Alana of that, and I said, sometimes it's good that we become afraid, and we get worried, and we get scared, because then what does God do? He pushes us towards himself. So instead of going, out, just forget this, I can't do it anymore, we have to remember why we were afflicted, so that we might know God's statutes, that we might grow closer to him. And um, she turned over and went to sleep and didn't wake up again. And so that was a huge blessing. But just that we got to have that moment, it was special for me. So um, sometimes we have to address those serious things. So we've got a starting place. We've got this honesty of the situation that takes place because there's some bad things that take place, and we need to address them. And sometimes we're like, I don't know what to do, and we just need to go to God. We just said, hey, I need your help. If I'm being honest, (laughs) I can't do this. If I'm being honest, there's things that worry me, that keep me up at night that make me go, I'm not sure I can do that again. I'm not sure I can handle this life. And God says, you don't need to. And here's what I'm doing in the midst of all that. I'm reassuring you. I'm giving you hope. I'm drawing you close to myself. So here's the last fill in the blank, the perspective of discipline. So uh, we've got this starting place. We've got this honesty that has to take place when Jesus, he confronts sin in our lives, when he addresses it from a whole church perspective, and he expects leadership to say, uh, okay, we're going to ferociously follow what God's word says. And sometimes that comes up to friction in places. Sometimes we have to have difficult conversations and we have to go, God, what direction do you want us to go? Because why does it take place? Well, he's teaching us his statutes. He's growing us closer to himself. So in the conflict, in addressing sin where it stands, we have to go, God, we know you have a purpose. And then he gives us perspective um, here at the end. I'll read the last few verses for us. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold to this teaching, uh, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. So some people in the church might have been going like, okay, yeah, we, like, we, want, to, we want to address this, but, but that's not us. And Jesus is going, hey, if you're faithful, then don't worry. There's no other burden that's been laid upon you. Address sin where it is in your own life and in the life of the church. But here he's giving another form of encouragement. He's given perspective. If you're following Jesus, and you have difficult days from time to time, don't we? We, are, we still go, okay, there's no other burden being placed on us, right? We know that Jesus has taken on that fully for us. And then in 25, it says, only hold fast what you have until I can't come. So what do we need to do? Well, perspective gives us hope, right? Because there's, there's some days you're driving down the road and you look over and spray painted on the back of a car, America is dead. And you're going, man, what a sad state. But yet we have hope because Jesus says to the church, only hold fast to what you have until I come. So what do we need to do? We need to hold fast, right, to what God is doing. And he's still working in the midst of even some of the crazy things that are going on. He gives us hope. And in 26, it says, The one who conquers, who keeps my word until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. Uh, and I love this, this conquerors. We've talked about it a few times, the Nikeo, meaning overcomer. So, so who is this? The one who overcomes and keeps my word until the end, 
To him I will give authority over the nations. I love this because we talked about it a couple weeks ago when Matt shared about heaven. Um, there's this state that we will be in, this special placement that God have us, that we will be ruling over the nations. Isn't that awesome to think about, right? We're significant. God cares about us. And he says, I've given you this special place. So you need to have perspective. Maybe difficult in the moment, but we're moving in the right direction and we're addressing these things when they take place. So we got the starting place. We got honesty. And we've got this perspective of what's taking place. And then in 27, he says, And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. So Jesus says, hey, I've got the authority. Um, don't worry, you're going to be a part of ruling over the nations. Hold fast, all right? Because there's an end to this. There's hope. There's a place that you have that's leading over the nations. they got special placement. And um, this is an allusion, too, to Psalm 2, 9. Um, we've read it before. You may remember it. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. And we were going through a series at the beginning of the year, going through the Psalms, and I had a table set up, and we had some clay pots set up. I probably should have practiced a little more before we did that because <laughs> pieces were going everywhere. Uh, but what did that picture give us of a hammer smashing a clay pot? Well, there's nothing that's outside of God's power, his authority. He invites us to be a part of that. So while we're sitting in the middle of like the despair and just going, I I don't know if I can do this anymore, we're reminded that the difficulty, the affliction, it points us towards knowing God more deeply. And as we see those pots, maybe you remember the pots getting smashed. It was fun for me. Uh, I'm not going to do it again today, though, for sake of time. And so we, we see those pots being smashed. We remember God's got all the authority, right? All these nations, all these people who think they've got power and authority, and they're lording it over everyone else. They're making changes. We're going like, what's going on? Jesus is going, you guys are a bunch of clay pots. <laughs> Who's the one holding the rod of iron? Who's the one going, in a moment, I'm going to fix all these things and make it right? And so we have that to look forward to, along with our placement with God. And the last couple of verses, in 28, it says, And I will give him the morning star. What a great reward. Uh, Matt talked about a couple of weeks ago, too, that in, at the end of the book of Revelation, what happens? When God makes all things right, we're in the new heavens, new earth. There's, uh, what the text tells us, there's no need for the sun. When we're standing in the presence of God, that is enough. He has the light for us. He has enough light for us. And Matthew Henry's commentary says this about verse 28. He brings day with him into the soul, the light of grace and of glory. So as we walk through this life, as we go through the difficult circumstances, as we we go through what Psalm 119 talks about, verse 71, the affliction that takes place, we're reminded he's, what is he he bringing to us? What is he giving to us? The morning star and and in Matthew Henry, I think he puts it well, he brings the day with him into the soul. So in the darkness and the difficulty, when people, like, they create things and they write things on cars, and you're just going like, man, that's discouraging. What has Jesus done for us? He's given us that bright morning star, and he's put it inside of our hearts. He's given us life and hope and the light of grace and glory, which the rest of the world doesn't have. When they look on things that are going on, I get somebody who doesn't have Jesus going, America's dead. <laughs> What do we do, right? We trust in the Lord, like we always do. Like that's where we place our hope. And then 29, he, again, he says, like he says to some of the other churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the question, churches, are we, are we listening with our spirit ears? Are we turning on the news? Are we seeing everything else that's going on and going, 
I don't know what to do anymore. I love what Greg said a couple of weeks ago uh, when uh, he's doing the quiet time talk. He said, maybe sometimes we just need to turn it off. We just start listening to something else, right? And I can guarantee you, if we would spend more time in the Word going, God, (laughs) yes, we know that's going on, but where's our hope going to come from? Where's our peace and our joy? And he says it here at the end, all you got to do is listen. You got to listen to the voice. You got to listen to the one who's speaking to us as much as you could possibly want to listen. He's there and he's saying, hey, come talk to me. I've got a word for you. So I'll close with this. There's a scar on my head that you can see it better when I get a hair, when I have a haircut, but there's a scar on my head um, right along the back of my part, and I see it every time, and it reminds me that discipline is important, right? In our lives, spiritually, in every area of our lives, and we start to lose that. We start to go, it doesn't matter, or I can do what I want, or I'm not going to really wholeheartedly follow Jesus. Then what happens? We start to go to the wayside. We start to follow uh, other ideology or theology. We don't follow close to God and his word. And sometimes we just need that reminder. We need to be reminded of the scars, the things that have taken place in our life where we go, God, I'm going to trust in you no matter what. When you talk to the church in in Thyatira and you said, there's a starting place, there's a place of honesty we have to come to to process what's going on. And we need this perspective, right? That points us back to the Psalms and, and, and gives us hope. And we go through the affliction, we go through the difficulty, we're able to say, God, we trust you no matter what. And all this is taking place so that we might be drawn to you, so that we might have this perspective, and so that we might have discipline in our lives, that we might follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And so maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. We're talking about the churches and you're like, I I don't know what that's about. Maybe you're listening online and and you're like, I don't know that I have that hope because I've been pretty hopeless lately. Um, Well, the scripture tells us that we can have hope. We can put our faith and trust in Jesus. We can admit we're sinners. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. We know that. We can believe in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We can confess with our mouth. We can say, hey, Lord, we need your help. Alana and I did that last night. We just said, hey, God, we can't do this. We can't make it go away. When When the bad things pop into our minds, we can't just say, go away on our own, and they do, right? We say, God, we need your help. We know who you are. We know you can conquer all these things. You make us conquerors too. And so if that's you, maybe, uh, maybe you just need to talk about that. If you're online, reach out to us. If you're here in person, uh, I'd be glad to talk to you as we close. Uh, let me pray for us and we'll be done. Uh, Father, we um, thank you for the word that you give us today, the hope uh, in the gospel. We thank you that you put John, a faithful disciple, um, who was the last of your faithful disciples, uh, who followed Jesus, who was on that island, and God, you gave him um, a great book of Revelation that we have now that we can look at and we say, God, what, what do you want us to learn from the churches? Uh, what do you want us to look at and go, God, where are we at right now? Um, if we're being honest with ourselves, where do we fall short? Where, what are areas we need to work on as a church as we need to work on personally? Uh, and God, you give us that perspective when it seems like hope is lost, when it seems like the rest of the world is just going, things are going down the drain. A nation is dead. God, we're thankful that we We exist outside of any nation. We're a part of your family, um, and we're hopeful for the future and what you're going to bring, how you will make things right in the end. I pray that you'd give us the special um, ability to have discipline in this life. It's so hard. There's so many things bombarding us every day. I pray that if there was something to be read about our church, it was that we would not have a lack of discipline, that we would be so focused on you, God, um, that it would reflect every area of our lives in our church. And so we ask all these things in your name. Amen.
love you, church. Have a good Sunday. And, and if you are uh, part of church leadership, you should have already gotten a communication. Uh, we'll be meeting downstairs in the basement.